What's up, everybody? Welcome back. This is Forfeit Podcast, episode 35. Quarantine episode number four. Bo, bo, bo. I can't believe we've done this in quarantine four times already. I know none of us remember the last episode, but the first two episodes... Oh, I remember the last episode. Just feel fine. like like a like a distant memory. It just feels like what is this? A day eight now, John? A quarantine? If I, uh, day nine. Nine. Yeah, nine. Okay. Yeah, man. And, and we haven't so killed each other up. I mean, I think I'm doing all right over here. I've, I'm starting to get into a groove. I've started a, a home workout routine. You know, after work every day, instead of going to the gym. I go to my living room, <laughs> and I do a little, uh, you know, weightlifting circuit training. It is enough for doing some jazzercise too. Get to get the heart rate up, a little aerobics, a little jazzercise at first, you know. Going on some walks around the neighborhood, you know. Yeah, I I need to uh, get my bike back on the trainer. Take that bike out, bro. Well, when it's when it's nice out, I will. And then when it's not all beautiful today, I dude, I I worked longer than I really wanted to today. So yeah, working on this podcast and doing some doing some research of that. No, no. All right. Well, it's still it's still like so. What was it last Friday when it was like ridiculously beautiful out? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I jumped on my bike right at like five thirty. And went on like almost a 13 mile ride and like I'm riding and I was like eight miles away from the house and I'm looking around and like the sun is starting to get low in the sky. And I'm like, oh, boy, I might have fucked up because like, yeah, I don't I, have I don't I've have a there. I don't have a, I've I don't been there blinker. before. I don't have a blinker on the bike. Um, Why don't you have a blinker? Hmm? Why don't you have a blinker? Because typically the road bike, I only ride during the the day. Yeah, Jesse, I learned that the the hard way, and I went out and got a blinker. Yeah, like the mountain bike has lights and all of that stuff when I ride at night, but luckily I got like I got home just as it was starting to get dark. And um, don't worry, you had enough fluorescent on, judging from that Instagram photo, that I think <laughs> the fucking alien saw you from Mars. Well, that's the point. So you don't get exactly. So you don't, you don't get, get hit. But. Yeah, I mean, it was a beautiful day. I was able to go out in um, bib tights and a, and a short sleeve jersey. I mean, that's amazing. It's around the, it's around the corner. Nice weather. Yeah. So we're definitely around the corner. But yeah, so I'm, I'll put the, I'll probably tomorrow while I'm eating lunch, I'll probably um, put a trainer tire back on the road bike and get it back on the trainer. Has anyone else developed a quarantine routine? Oh, a quarantine job. Yeah. A quarantine. Nah, not really. It's really a just roll out, out of bed, check the emails, you know, work, go get lunch. Sometimes I'll I'll throw in a a, a Peloton ride. Shout out to Peloton. Um, we're looking for sponsors. Well, <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, or we go for a walk after work. That's about it. Nothing yeah. too do you have to be logged on your computer, like, like, like from your work hours? Like, are they tracking that to see, like, if you're at your station? Um, 
I don't b- believe so. We have a we have a program called Zoom, and we're all like supposed to be on there and accessible. But like, if you call my my work phone, which I hardly ever answer, it goes to my uh, my my cell phone anyway. Oh, okay. yeah, I didn't set that. I didn't set that up to my work phone because literally no one calls me on my work phone anymore. It's it's like, pretty much like it's not obsolete, but it's good. Mean, yeah, it's it's a piece of uh, desk. It's a desk ornament. Yeah, that that has a clock on it at this point. But uh, no, I mean we we log into Teams, Microsoft. We've been using Microsoft Teams, and um, you know, holding conference calls in there, meet little meetings and brainstorm sessions through there. And um, no, nah, Bill, it, it's basically. You know, we were, you know, we have to input our hours every day now, um, you know, and they're they're checking at the end of every day. They want all, all your time submitted um, for all eight hours of what you what you worked on all your projects. So that's kind of like their way of monitoring, you know, uh, how much work um, is coming in. Is it enough to for who we have staffed and, you know. Um, we've already had to put, you know, a few of our full-time freelancers, uh, not lay them off, but just kind of tell them, Hey, you know, like we're going to, things are going to drop off here a little bit, you know? Um, but, um, yeah, it's just as a precaution, you know, but I mean, you know, next week could be a totally different story, you know? Um, it's, it's kind of touch and go at the moment, you know, as far as our work is concerned, it's very, very touch and go. Uh, you know, just globally, the coronavirus now up to up to to date, the total number of cases is uh, well over the 400,000 mark. It's 421,413 total cases. Uh, the death toll is um, just a smidge under 19,000. It's uh, 18,810 deaths now totally recorded around the globe. Uh, the But the number of recovered uh uh patients is uh 108,388 uh, yeah so, the the, you know, the so the 85% so 85% of people who are getting infected are recovering as opposed to the 15% yeah. that are dead the uh, you know the, rest in peace to the people who have died i mean that's like you know one is one too many um let yeah. alone almost 19,000. The problem though is like a place like New York City where they're expecting in the next week or two for it to like Oh yeah. It it's going to be bad. Like If anyone's seen a line graph of this shit, I mean it's it's like uh all the way up and it's not there's, there's no sign of it coming coming down anytime soon especially in the US. I mean They're saying New York City is going to be the new epicenter for the world. Yeah. It's it's bad. Like they said, everybody in Manhattan's probably gonna end up getting it. It's and they they're already there's not enough respirators now. There's not enough beds now. So like while 85% could recover, it's probably gonna be down into like the seven 60s and 70s in New York because it's gonna be bad, dude. There's there's not gonna be enough doctors or ventilators or meds or anything for these people. Don't worry, all those idiots will come down here. Yeah, I know we're such we're like the team. We're like right in the middle. Well, I know of a, I know of a few people that from the New York area who have already migrated down here just within my 
little circle of people. Yeah, th- um, thanks for those people, really. Yeah, really. they're just they're just get they're trying to get the hell out of Dodge. But uh, and, you know, in in U.S. in the U.S. alone, we're now up to fifty three thousand six hundred fifty five total cases. Um, you know, that's you know we had over nine hundred or nine thousand new cases from yesterday. And uh, we've got total deaths of just shy of uh, 700 people. And and let's be real, there's not enough tests. So the amount of deaths and the amount of cases is probably quadruple that. But the one the one thing I will say about this, and I don't know if this is true, but I'm just, you know, trying to stay optimistic on this. The good thing about the sudden spike of new cases, I'm hoping to think it's because there there are more tests being made. Well, that's and, what they're saying. And now people are who are who weren't originally going to get tested because of the shortage of tests are now being able to get tested, and that will naturally show a spike in yeah. you know new cases. Let's so, just hope that, but let's just hope that the deaths don't, you know. Let's just hope that one day we don't wake up and it's it's suddenly like you know sixty five percent dead and forty five percent recovering. You know what I mean? That's that's we, that's what we're trying to avoid here. We've by, got some, uh, staying in our homes and, you know, not basically not touching anyone. <laughs> Breaking news. Breaking news. The NFL's general managers have voted unanimously to suspend the draft. What? Roger Goodell wants it to still happen, but the league's owners and the general managers had, I guess, voted it's, and and said they want to postpone it. They said the teams in California, New Jersey, New York are going to be at a tremendously competitive disadvantage, and they want to move it back. Why would they be competitively disadvantaged? Well, what does it matter if, if, they, if they draft in person as opposed to drafting because, like we're doing our podcasts right now? Because you can't do in-person physicals. You can't do the in-person interviews. You can't do any of that stuff. How do you say I want to give a kid twenty million dollars and I can't meet him face to face or yeah, like that's a big risk. Uh, yeah, I mean when you're talking those like top ten, top fifteen yeah. picks, like that's a so lot of money. If there's no draft, what does that the mean? Draft would get season? moved back. It'd probably get moved back to yeah, Matt. Like oh, postponed. postponed. Not like, canceled. Like, moved. What? What if we, Harry, how he, you know, wants to interview Justin Jefferson and Mims, and like one of them's a complete douche, and they're like, yeah. "Thank God we interviewed this kid," you know. You can you do know. it just like this, though. Yeah, but no. it's a different thing when you can when you're sitting face to face with somebody versus over a, a Skype call. Like yeah. you, you have a better read of them, the bo- their body language, how they handle, how they carry themselves. I want to see how they move, walk around, talk to them, probably, and they'll like just kind of spend time and with you the kid. Want you know? your- and you want your team doctors to, to yeah, do our, not our idiot doctors. I mean, maybe we don't trust our doctors. Yeah, you know, we're about the uh, our doctors never recommend surgery. They just say play through the pain for another quarter and a half, and then sit out for ten games a season. Oh, well, those gonna... those guys are all fired too. So I know, and that's actually I read an article. Somebody uh, it wasn't ESP, but. Somebody wrote an article about that was like our best pickup in free agency. Like we got a couple good doc. I think we got the head doctor from Minnesota, from the Vikings. Yeah, and it was a, another guy too. They, and the head like, doctor 
and he had like the best, like the lowest ratio of like soft tissue injuries and yeah, like the quickest recovery times for like apparently like he was you know he's he's very well at getting good at getting players back on the field quickly, which is something we need to focus on if the season starts at some point ever, because you know we are, we're we're one of the oldest teams in the NFL, so I mean Not we got super young. Yeah, I guess I'd be mean, losing Jenkins and Peters. That's two really old numbers off the old roster. Bradham's an older number for sure. Um, but, I mean, yes, I mean, that's three old guys right there. And right there, you know, then in there, McLeod's a little older. Um, Alshon's a, a grandpop. But he's still on the team. Great. Thanks, Alshon. Uh, is this the time where you, where you guys just rip on all the wide receivers? Nah. No. We'll nah, we're just going over the youth and or lack thereof that have departed from the team. And, you know, we, we definitely saw it last year with the injuries that we just had, you know, we just had some guys that are older and we don't have, a, you know, we had some young guys filling nicely, the Greg Wards, the Miles Sanders, but another spot. Oh, Jordan Howard's another old guy. Yeah, and well, he's been in the league four or five years, which in the NFL, I mean, if you've been in, the, if you're in your late twenties, like twenty-seven and on, I want you're you're getting up there for most positions, except for quarterback, obviously, or like a kicker, or most positions, you don't excel past your late twenties. Yeah, I mean, really, it's what like linemen and quarterbacks. Yeah, linemen, the linemen like on the O line, and D line can last a little while too. Like Brandon Graham's older; he's still an older player. So, so, so five minutes ago, Jesse. I don't know how new your tweet was, but five minutes ago, I'm pick, I just I just picked up an article saying that the NFL is planning for the draft to go on a schedule, despite GMs wanting it to be moved back. That was reported by Adam Schefter that the NFL plans to continue. Um, the draft will be held April 23rd through 25th, despite an anonymous recommendation from the league's general manager subcommittee to move it back. Yeah, this so this is on. It's the same thing. It's from Schefter and Diana uh, Rossini at at nine o'clock. It's a lot. I think a lot of owners aren't sold on keeping it on schedule. Of course, the powers, the power owners are calling the shots. Plus, add in the fact that April is going to be the toughest month with this virus. It's really a poor look. So we'll we'll see. It says the league still has time to make further and final decisions. Yeah. But it seems like the owners aren't happy about it. So, yeah, Roger Goodell has final say, but the owners have. Yeah, but he's got balls, man. He he tells the owners to stick it. Like, Roger Goodell is probably one of the most powerful men in sports, hands down, well, if not the most powerful man in sports. Because he, he takes all the bullets for the owners. And he made and, them and makes them wealthy. wealthy a lot of money. But if you have a couple owners that are pissed off about this and they pick up the phone and they're like, yo, don't fuck me on this or I'm going to fuck you, move yeah, the draft back. I'd be like, listen, this is this is your concern, AAA, but this is why I feel this way. Shut up and let me do my job and cash your checks. All that hey, TV money I got you. Hey, speaking of owners of sports teams that try to fuck people. <laughs> great segue. How about what the Sixers uh, tried I, to do? Did I do it too early 20 minutes ago with my fantastic rant that we're going to 
have to edit, but whatever. Yeah, that was that's that's uh, yeah. Uh, Bill kind of set it up in the darkest way possible about five minutes ago. Um, that uh, Sixers Sixers ownership uh, tried to pull a fast one on all their at will employees making north of fifty grand per year. Um, and inform them that mandatory pay cuts of up to 20% will be mandated beginning April 15th, and it would last through the end of June. Well, that didn't go over too well with anyone in the Philadelphia area. Nope. And, uh, nope. <laughs> that was put immediately on blast, um, and uh, it it it, it kind of conjured up star, uh, star center Joel Embiid to pledge uh, a half a mil to uh, try to relieve the people who uh, to help that help this organization that he plays for. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how much of a worse of a look you could have than the Sixers, where the last five years they've increased ticket yeah. Revenue, ticket yeah, ticket and that prices. goes both on the court and off the court now. Year after year after year after year, they've they've doubled or tripled ticket prices every single year. And, you know, they they are typically tone deaf when they do anything, if they do anything. And then the, the minute they get a little heat from this, the, the head weasel doesn't even have the integri- integrity to do anything. They send one of the other lackey owners to, to put out like a, a picture of a note from and tweet out a picture of a note that he typed on his phone about how, you know, they made a mistake in judgment and and blah blah blah. It's like get fucked, dude. You knew uh, well. You knew what you were gonna do. And they, I guess, either they didn't care about the heat or didn't think the heat would be quite as bad. Well, they're basically were quoted in saying that they apologize for making a quote ordinary business decision decision in ec- extraordinary times. Mm-hmm. So. Well, and- it Again, they I, can't even they can't even apologize, right? No, no, no because in their mind they didn't do anything wrong. I think to Jesse's point, I think a few things could have happened. I think Lee could have stepped in and made a comment, which is not I think high on the list, but Adam Silva was a very hands on commissioner. He might have been like, Listen, this is bad. Or then just you know, the or the or the other thing that I think could have you know, maybe happened or not happened. And it's just whatever is that when they did that, maybe they had talked with other owners, because I know the, the Mavericks were supposedly maybe hinting around it. Maybe Josh thought there was going to be like a wave of teams doing this to be like, all right, we're all on board. And then when they did it, like they turned around, they're like, wait, where'd everybody go? We're the only ones that did this. And it yeah, was just like, like you know, and all the other owners were like, "Holy shit, they actually did it!" I didn't yeah, think they actually do it. Well, there was, I think I it was a Woj that could have happened. I think it was like a Woj tweet that was a follow up that he heard that a lot of owners were considering it, but they rapidly well, we changed. <laughs> they rapidly changed their minds when they started seeing everybody googling what their net worths were, and putting that on blast like. Motherfucker, you're worth like six billion dollars, and you're doing this to to your employees. Yeah. So I I think to Bill's point, I think the league was like, we we can't we can't have this. We yeah. can't have people googling how much we're worth, and yeah. no. and and putting that out there. No, you're right. It's and just... what's gonna happen with all the players? 
Because that's the other thing. Their contract in that article, I don't know if you sent it or I just read it, um, said I think it goes until like April something, and then after that it's not defined. Like they could be in for a pay cut. Like, or no money at all. And like I saw some of the guys, like I can only imagine they, what's going to come out of like the top players if they get a pay cut. Oh, yeah. my God. Hopefully they realize – Hopefully they're smart to realize, shut their mouth, and guys that are making 30, 40, like the Hardens and the LeBrons of the world. It's going to be the Chris Pauls and the and the and yeah and the and the Hardens and the Hopefully West. Hopefully guys world. have you know have public you know public relations people that are saying, listen, vent all you want in private, don't put it out in public because it'll be. Uh, mm-hmm. they, that would I, I think they would get you. No matter who it is, will get destroyed. It'll oh, be an asterisk on their yeah. It'll be an asterisk for sure on their reputation. The, the same thing. The so, fans are going to look at it and be like, how much money have you made? And you're paycheck to paycheck, dude? Like, what in, kind of bad decisions have you made? In more great. Yeah, no, yeah I think that would be a misstep. What's up, John? In more breaking news, the Clippers owner, Steve Ballmer, has bought the forum for $400 million. Speaking of owners that have a shit ton of money. Yep. Yeah, he wants to have his own arena for. They're gonna probably tear it. They might just tear it down and build a new arena. I was reading. He bought that in cash, by the way. Oh yeah, Bombers. I mean, Bomber is probably top ten richest man in the world easily. Do you know who he used to own the forum, or who he bought it from? Uh, speaking of asshole owners, not Donald Sterling's. No, J- James Dolan. Oh, that's I, I. You know, I heard that because he wouldn't sell it for a while because he had a beef with one. I think you know, I don't know, whatever. But you're right. You're totally right. He he was, dude. James Olin, like he he he's and he's like the opposite. Like he needs to get out of sports. Like he's, you know, hearing Stan Van Gundy talk about it on the Levertard show when they asked him, they were like, you know, do you want to be a coach again? He's like, yeah, you know, I would love it and this that, you know, you know, I'm sure one day I'll get a call possibly and. And I was like, what if the Knicks called you tomorrow? And they're like, we'll give you the everything. Keys to the castle, GM, head coach. And he's like, no, I don't want that job. <laughs> and he's just like, what do you mean? He's like, I couldn't work for that owner. And, like, Stan's like, seems like, you know, like he's a pretty head straight kind of guy. And it's just like, it's so mind-bottling that a team in New York can be so bad for 25 years. Like, it's not even, like, they maybe, I don't think they've been in a playoffs. For over ten years, and I don't think they made it out of the first round in over twenty some years. Like, and that's in Manhattan. Like, how is that possible? Be that bad? And like, our owners like just a notch below this idiot. Like for idiotness. <laughs> like our owner. I think the day he bought the Devils, everybody knew he was a shitbag. It's like here we go. How do you buy like the team that you share an arena with? They're one of their like arch enemies you just bought. <laughs> well, yeah, and, and wasn't the big fear that they were going to move the Sixers? No, there were talks because that was supposedly real because he wanted like a better deal from the Fargo Center on shit, and he just that, and then he threatened them to to move them to North Jersey because he bought the Prudential Center where the where the, where the Devils play. So he was gonna, you know, he was gonna put them up there because he, you know, he wants to control the arena and make more money. So it's like, and but the, the Sixers are like. One of the original, you know, teams in the NBA like that. I, I can't believe they, like that could ever even be discussed. Like that moving. 
Well, I mean, I think the commissioner probably would have stepped in on that one if he it, didn't. It, if he if he didn't, you know, depends. actually step in. It depends though, because before, even before the you know the the uh, the process and at the beginning of the process, like attendance from like those the like the Igadala years wasn't great. Like, granted, it absolutely cratered after well, they like traded him. Like they got good that year. We beat the Bulls with Derrick Rose and and Noah yeah. got hurt. We beat him in the first round, and then he hopped on the stand and like up the arms like we just won the finals and it's like wow yeah. we beat the bulls in the first round and derrick rose got hurt in game one and noah got hurt in game two so we beat their bench yep john and i john and i were there the, the game that noah went down <laughs> a lot of pretzels that night a lot of pretzels that night we ate our weight and that place got rocking that place but still i know you i know your point I mean, and he bought them so cheap in there. I mean, their value had to, had, had to go through the roof since he bought them because of the TV contracts. Oh, but, yeah. yeah. We and, talked about – we discussed it in one of the la- one of the earlier episodes. Yeah, what like he he, what, what he bought it for. He bought it for what, like two forty eight. I mean, I mean, he bought it for pennies on the dollar, man, like compared he, to what it's worth now. He bought it for $248 million, which is still a lot of money. But considered compared to what it's worth now, it's, it's a two billion dollar franchise. I just yeah. kind of wonder how that's like possible. Like even just it's, from the endorsements money, like I don't know. It's I still money. money. It's all it's all make believe. It's all make believe. That's what I kind of mean. Like that's why they do shit. Because I feel like yes, that's the stated value, and I'm sure you know. I'm sure there's a lot of there's a lot of equity in it. But at the end of the day, it's like. How do you get your hands on two billion dollars from selling a basketball team? Like I don't understand. Like I know, I know it's the rights to it. I, I get the the practice of it itself. But if anybody buys a basketball team for two billion dollars, they're idiots. No, I mean the rocket not going to go up. That rocket owner sold, and like uh, I think it was like right after they got the TV contract, like the big contract, and he sold it for like. You know, like eight nine hundred million dollars, and he bought it for like you know hundred million, whatever. Yeah. And like people, the NBA was worried that all the owners were going to do that because they know the contract's so ludicrous with the TV that's that's not going to be sustainable. Like no, it's term. not. It and and if that TV deal ever goes away, they are screwed. And that's what it is. Like they're going to drop drastically. So it's like again, like that wouldn't be overnight, but it would be in you know three, four, five years. So. People who are really keen, like the Rockets owner, like he knew, like, hey, I'm not gonna get greedy. I made a lot of money on this team. I'm gonna flip them when I can. So, but we'll see. But you know, got you know, God forbid they win a game or two. In the meantime, <laughs> guess how much that TV deal was? I mean, multiple, multiple billions, probably. Yeah, just get yeah, Give me a number. For the NBA, 32 teams. I'm going to say at least 32 billion plus. A little Wait, lower than that. What was the question? The TV. How, how, much, how much was the TV deal? For the rights to the NBA. And this, number, this number is split up against 32 teams? It, start, it started in, in the 2016-17 season. I said 32 billion. He said that's a little high. So it's a little high. So it's probably more in the twenty range, twenty-five range in that range, probably. You you pretty much hit it, twenty-four billion. Yeah, that's that's what I kind of 
because each team's value went up. I mean, the Knicks are one of the so that's friends. how the Sixers' value doubled in two years. <laughs> yeah, and that's what I mean. But like, if these because te- they were talking about it when it happened with ESPN, like ESPN bought the rights to baseball and college basketball, but they don't realize that nobody, except for some people, you know, I watch it, but. You know, the the average basketball fan doesn't watch college basketball until March, around March, give or take. And they way overpaid for college basketball rights to beat Fox out and the same with baseball. And baseball is a tough sport to watch nationally. Like, you got some, some you know, a handful. The Yankees, obviously, the Red Sox, like the big teams. That's more of a regional sport to where, like, you watch your team on your channel. But yeah. then those two contracts, you know, destroy ESPN. I mean, they still destroy ESPN. And at some point, at any point, they could just be like, "Hey, I can't pay these contracts." Like, yeah, like who's watching? Who's watching on any given night? If if it, if it's if they're not your team, like the Mariners versus the, the Orioles, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah, like it's like two shitty teams that aren't in a playoff chase, but they can't change the Sunday game of the week, and it's already like in stone. And like, yeah, I mean, I might watch it for an inning or two because I'm a baseball fan, but like, right. I don't even know if I do that, like, because it's just like. I don't care about these teams. Like, I just don't. Right. Like, I watch the Phillies, and that's about 90% of my baseball viewing. And I enjoy the sport. So, it's just like, you know, I feel like at any time, it's, you know, all these contracts and this and that. and But it's like, you know, somebody can be like, yeah, I can't pay this. I can't pay my bill this month. You know, what ABC. What tang song? Cash rules everything around me. Cream, get the money. Dollar, dollar, dollar bill, y'all. There you go. It does, man. Rich, it get does. richer. Uh, yep. But, yeah, no, I mean, you know, so it's not, you know, it's like everything else. It's You get why the getting's good, but it's, you know, the getting's the getting not, you know, nothing's guaranteed in this world but death and taxes, my friends. Yeah. The free advice. So, hope, yeah, and hopefully, and hopefully we'll be getting these uh, stimulus checks sometime soon. I was like, damn, you know, I'm going to run down to the Brigada, but that that's next. Oh, Jesus. Thanks, Uncle Sam. Turn that turn that $1,000 check into 40 Gs. Thank well, you. Hey, where you, can, where you can start betting on uh, simulated throwback games that FanDuel's trying to get people to buy in on. I was going to say. Like, yeah. Yep. They're Dude, simulating three. throwback games, and you basically – Bet on the outcome of thus simulated game. Degenerate gamblers will bet on anything. I mean, they're grasping for straw. It, it, it kind of, it almost sounds like to me, and again, I haven't looked into it that much. I don't really know how it works, but you know, it kind of reminds me of like Back to the Future. Like, like, like we have the sports almanac. Like, we know the outcome of these games. So, like, I don't know if it's like how they're doing it but i'm sure i mean i guess it's i'm sure like i mean you still have to pick a i know you still have to pick a lineup you know and it's and then i don't know if it's like they they simulate a random throwback game like like i I, i'd like to think that it's games that like it's not like the you know the the all-time games that that they play on you know, NFL Network or NBA TV. I'm sure it's like, you know, uh, tonight we're betting on the Dallas Mavericks versus the Houston Rockets on March 12th, 1982. You know what I mean? 
like no one would remember the outcome of that game. So I, I, I don't know. I really don't. I really don't know. It just sounds like desperate times from the, the FanDuel's and the DraftKings of the world. Yeah, like they're like, we finally got it. We can gamble on everything. And then it's like, shit, no, we can't. Nope. I think DraftKings or FanDuel, one of them, you could you could gamble on uh, Jeopardy, like Jeopardy episodes that, that were on at night. That's that's a degenerate. That's a, yeah, that's that's a new level. So we need it's what we do to get paid. We got to get paid. We got to put money on something. Life's about life's about wagering everything. I mean, you know, Ken, Ken Jennings is going to be on Jeopardy. That's where my money's at. I'm big K dog. But you know, yeah, it's it's. I mean, that's a big, you know. And New York just got that passed, so it's like that's you know, it's a lot of money. I mean, obviously, other states can do it too. Almost all of them, I guess. Well, but. and just think about all the money that like you know businesses has have invested like. The casinos, like, look at the investments they made to their properties, putting in these gargantic, like, gigantic, you know, no, I mean, and even like, uh, sports betting rooms. It's when all these, you know, these Applebee's and all these chains build restaurants and locations. It's, you know, they're getting built, but they're not being opened because then they're just sitting there, not serving the wingsings. And it, when people want their wingsings, not tonight. Joni and Johnny. Yeah. Speaking of Applebee's and places like that, has has anyone uh, gotten anything delivered from Fuck any, any places yet? We yeah, did but, like uh, grocery it? delivery, so we didn't have to go out. But that was that was it, dude. That's yeah. the best shit ever. Once I turned Becca into like getting groceries delivered, she was like, "Why have I never done this?" I'm like. Stick with me, lady. Stick with me. Ah. Could, you, could, we, could you have to go to the store and pick out your peaches and be like, oh, this is a nice peach. Oh, yeah. Some any, any, any random person can pick out a piece of fruit. It's like, oh, we're going to give you the rotten ones? No, they're not going to give you the rotten ones. I don't know. My wife always nope. busts my balls. She said every time I pick the apples, I pick the ones that are all bruised and shit. <laughs> I don't know. They taste good to me every time I eat them. Yeah, there you go. You know what? You, we cut around we cut around the brown spots. You know, no big deal. You know, I'm a man of nature. I appreciate the, the natural process that you know that this earth provides. Dude, if Jesse Lorenz goes off anymore on Twitter tonight, we're gonna we're gonna be fighting. We're gonna be fighting. Yeah, you've, you've been a little docile. I, I guess we can use a little juice. Well, I mean, I mean, a perfect segue into our NFL draft talk, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, is he, what is he? Tra- what is he trashing? Uh, Sega Whiteside more? I mean, no, if, it's, no. if it's not a day that ends in Y, Jesse Lawrence isn't trashing some of the Eagles' draft picks. So no, yeah. I was, I was, I was daring to. Um, so John's got two lords and saviors that that are beyond reproach and can never be. You cannot criticize either one of them for anything. Anything, anything, anything. Either of them could come in. I know one. Who's the other? Set his house on fire and punch him in the face. And he'd be fine with it. And that is Harry Roseman and Nick Uh, Foles. They uh, are beyond reproach in John's John's mind. I don't know if Nick, yes. Howie, I just think he. So, Bill, I pointed out that I said Howie Roseman is not good at drafting wide receivers or corners. And I point at, pointed out 
the corner or the wide receivers that Howie Roseman has drafted since 2010. Riley Cooper, Marvin McNutt, Jordan Matthews, Josh Huff, Nelson Aguilar, Matt Collins, Shelton Gibson, J.J. Ortega-Whiteside. That is a big enough sample size in 10 years, put your hand down, that we can say he's not good at drafting wide receivers. That doesn't mean that he's a terrible GM and should be fired. That just means he's really not good at drafting wide receivers. John can't process that. In John's mind, you can't, how dare you, how dare you criticize Harry Roseman? He brought me a chip in 2017. You can't criticize the fact that the wide receiving core and the, and the talent on this team is kind of lacking because Howie Roseman has swung and missed more often than he's hit since 2017. But we can't talk about that either because, again, Howie Roseman is beyond reproach to John. That's a that's a well, that, that, well now that you went off for two minutes, rat I, in the, in the snake pit. Go ahead, I, sorry. Hey, John. Uh, but even though I've been drinking, no personal attacks. Yeah, Bill, you were saying something. I'm sorry. I was going to say all, 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 all that was was a stunned day's rat getting dropped into a snake pit right there. Okay, well, we can start We can start very simply by talking about a few things. The, if, if by, your, by your notes, if the general manager was to build a team primarily and only through the draft, I would say, you know what, Jesse? You're right. He's not very good at building at drafting guys and building a whole team through the draft. Here's the problem: the 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 general manager position is not only just the draft, but it's free agency, it's mm-hmm. re-signing players, getting undrafted guys. So as a GM as a whole, when you and say recruiting we, coaching staff too, which is supposed to develop these bozos too. Oh, thank you, thank you for that as well. So so when I when you say like. The two people that John Mathers loves so much is Howie Roseman and Nick Foles. Well, think about one. Nick Foles is is the man in this town. I'm sorry, he's the man. Okay, underdog MVP did what he had to do. He's the man. That's why they build a statue and put him outside. They don't build statues for everybody, but he's got statues. So, and as far as Howie Roseman's concerned. We're so we're so hard on on Howie Roseman, and and you have been nailing him on Jay Ortega Whiteside. Well, I mean, I'd love to hear your thoughts about when Howie Roseman drafted Brandon Graham and how you felt about that. That was Andy Reid. I'm sorry. You knew I you knew I didn't want him to draft Brandon Graham. You knew I, I wanted him to draft Earl Thomas. We traded up. To get Brandon Graham and we passed on Earl Thomas that trash? Yeah, that- yeah. is one example for because uh, Jesse likes to go on like tangents about people that like I I don't like. I'd like to talk about how things that Jesse doesn't like. And Jesse hated the pick of Brandon Graham. But if it wasn't for Brandon Graham, we wouldn't have that Super Bowl ring that I just posted. Thank you, nine seven five. Thank you, nine. Do we know that, John? I I didn't. I I thought we weren't dealing with um hypotheticals still. What well, the strip sacks not a Sorry. No, but he can't say if there was another good defensive end on the field that they don't make a similar play in that in that drive somewhere that that gives them the win. So if we're going to talk about hypotheticals, explain me your position on J.J. Ortega Whiteside for the 400th time. You're giving up on a guy who's a second round pick that had numbers 
equivalently close to someone who's going to be a Hall of Famer in Julian Edelman, Jordy Nelson, Reggie Wayne, and I won't even get into the running backs right now, and Alshon Jeffrey, who everyone wants to shit on right now, his rookie year, he had similar numbers except from from, uh, J.J. Ortega-Whiteside. He played in 10 games, had 367 yards and three touchdowns, which isn't over the moon past J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, but it's in that realm of like guys who had shitty rookie years. We want to go talk about guys who had shitty rookie years. Here's a guy like Melvin Gordon, who everybody in this room wanted on the Eagles, had such a shitty rookie year, people didn't know anything about him. He was averaging 3.5 yards a carry. 3.5 yards a carry was shit for a rookie. Did everyone give up on Melvin Gordon? He just got signed for a pretty nice contract. You know who else had shitty rookie years? LaShawn McCoy and your buddy Mark Ingram all had shitty rookie years. So yes, but just because different. guys have shitty rookie years doesn't make them guys that we should just cut and throw out into the side of the highway. Okay, so let's let's go back to the shitty rookie year. Because yeah. I sent this thing in the group chat real quick, and then I'll let you get back to what you wanted to do. So, Which group them, chat? Which group chat? The, the Skype one or, or our chat. cell phones? The cell phone chat. So in the last, cell phone chat. in the last 20 years, the last 20 years, there were 19 wide receivers drafted in the second round in the last 20 years. Yeah, this one's damning. This is a tough stat. Thank <laughs> you, Bill. Okay. Of the wide receiver, rookie wide receivers that have caught 10 or fewer passes. Okay. Okay, so we're talking 19 wide receivers in 20 years. Ten of them finished their career with fewer than 50 career catches. So you can say, yeah, there's guys, you know, they have a bad rookie year. Statistically, guys in this in wide receivers. You just lifted a stat. Yes. So statistically, 50% of guys that put up stats – as bad as J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, aren't in the league to finish out their first year and have less than 50 catches when they retire. So that's a miss at this point. He might come good and have a monster second year, but at this point, it's a tremendous miss. Tremendous. No, it is. But, like, it's, I mean, second round and, like... Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I mean, you want to talk about signings, Let's not forget Namdi, Byron Maxwell, DeMarco, Patrick Chung, Demetrius Bell, um, the guy that we drafted, that linebacker we signed and then cut. Oh, the the uh, the Ravens just gave him a contract. Like, you you just keep moving the goalposts. There's certain well, things he's not goalposts. Just the guy assembled a team that won a Super Bowl, and you're sitting here just taking a shit on him. How, how about we talk about all the good things he's done rather than just sit here and just run him over? Look, all I was pointing out is there's things that he can get better at. That he yeah, has so, to so can I. I, could, I could work out and get six-pack abs, too, but you know what? I, it just not might not be in my DNA. The, Do it, Big Sexy. John, the, the difference is— You look about a month away from that, John. Come on now. Six weeks top. The difference between your physical transformation and Howie Roseman getting better at drafting wide receivers and corners is if he can't get better at drafting wide receivers and corners— the team is going to have a constant hole. And one of the things that we talked about is how you can't give $100 million contracts to certain players. The, the problem is 
historically, the guys that are getting those massive deals are like corners and wide receivers and, you know, the, the guys that we can't draft, that we so struggle just, to draft. Didn't you just trade for one of the top corners in the league? Yes. <laughs> but, oh, John, well, what's wrong with that? there's nothing. Oh, God. It would be nice if he could draft those guys so we didn't have to spend draft capital to acquire them because he can't draft them. Okay. Can you give me a corner that you that you would have liked to have in the last three drafts? Let's go two drafts. No, go with three. Last three drafts that you would have liked to have? I'd has- have to go and I'd have to go and look at the drafts. Okay. I'm sure there was somebody that we would have liked. Okay. Yeah, no, it's kind of interesting. We want to sit here and we want to hammer corner, 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 can't draft corner. Well, when you draft 31 and trade out of that after you win a Super Bowl, there's not much you can do there. Uh, we have oh, a position for need last last year was obviously offensive tackle, knowing Jason Peters is out there in the first round. Mm-hmm. So other than that, I mean, we can argue Jalen Mills is a pretty good draft pick. Can we not? I mean, he's a starter. I wouldn't say he's a, like a home run. Okay. Do you? I mean, I have the list of all the corners we've drafted since 2010. I get that. And what I'm saying is just it's terrible. Because... <laughs> no, I think it's like a lot of things because it's like, John. like Schwartz has like, I read an article too about some people were like, didn't like to slay thing at first. And they're saying, you know, Jim Schwartz clearly has too much control over players on his defense. Cause I don't know, you know, that in like, I feel like if Jim Schwartz wanted to knock him, he'd still be here kind of deal. I think Schwartz is ready to move on. And I think they probably were like, you can either have a shutdown corner or we, can, or we can keep Malcolm. And this is just my opinion. I'm not inside the room. And I think with Jim Schwartz, why nine? It's more important to have a shutdown corner you can put on an island, and, yeah. which is fine. But And to Howie's defense, as I'll get to my point quick, is he's the general manager, so it falls on his shoulders. But you know, he relies, I would think, on a lot of people for input. And I'm sure like anybody else, he tries to listen to his coaches and his scouting team and his office personnel. But essentially, you know, he gets all the glory when things go well. So he's got to take the heat. But it's like, I wonder, and I guess we don't really know about it because they're not like sexy positions, but I wonder how often we like change up our like player personnel department underneath of him. Like, you know what I mean? I, I, I understand that you can't have a perfect general manager. There isn't one. But... From a guy who wasn't in the NFL per se, who was whatever he did beforehand, and then a, a, a pretty decent general manager in Joe Banner comes along and takes him under the wing and is now basically he has become his own person. And after everything he went through with Chip Kelly, and, and, and now where he is now, for to sit here and say he's not a good drafter, in my opinion, is a is a is a bad is a is not a correct statement. If you're going to say he can't draft Hall of Fame cornerbacks or Hall of Fame wide receivers, I'm with you. Okay, fine. But but he also does other things that other general managers in this league don't do. He, he takes a he has a boatload of picks. He does great cap cap moves and so on and so forth with with salaries and so on. And then he's able to do things like go from number whatever 14 in the draft up to three and get rid of guys and do this and do that. And I mean, we've, we don't even talk about that stuff. 
Like the way the things he did to get Carson Wentz, who is are, are, are some of our messiahs here. I mean, do, do we take that into do we take that into account? Because I feel like just if we're gonna sit here and like stamp our feet that like oh corners wide receivers corner wide receivers, but a guy went out and got got guys got Alshon Jeffrey. It, mm-hmm. right now, he went out and got Deshaun Jackson. You know, he went out and he and he signed players and he's taken draft picks that he's accumulated and trading the got arguably maybe a top three, top five corner in this league. So I don't see how like just because the guy doesn't maybe draft those positions well, we're going to sit here and hammer him over the fact that he also doesn't do other things well that maybe make up for a lack of talent in the draft or maybe just people not being there at 31 or whatever we wherever we've drafted or so on and so forth. Because like like I said, if you could say in the last three round, last three drafts that a guy like Marshawn Lattimore was there and we didn't get him, I'd be like, Okay, maybe you're right, but we didn't have a need at that point. We we got we got Sidney Jones. I mean, Sidney Jones right now looks like a bust. We'll see this year. We'll see mm-hmm. this year. It's a big big time for him. But to sit here and say like JGR think a Whiteside had a bad year last year and he's terrible, and we should cut him. I think it's a stretch. I think it's a stretch. Well, I, I never said they should cut him because he's on a cheap contract. But <clears throat> I mean, how many more years would you be willing to keep him on the roster? At the output that he's giving you now, if he is a year, him... if he repeats what he did this year, he'll be cut next year, no matter so, what. So, John, like to, it, that, to, that, that, that's the bottom line. To hammer out that point, since 2003, we have not drafted a Pro Bowl corner. Since 2003, there is not a team in the league worse at drafting corners since 2003 than the Philadelphia Eagles. We have not drafted a Pro Bowl wide receiver since Deshaun Jackson in 2008. That was totally Andy's pick, 100%. Oh, absolutely. It was an Andy pick. But, but, my, but my point is, so. <laughs> is Bill Belichick is, a good drafter, Jesse? Huh? Is Bill Belichick a good drafter? Yeah. He gets, yeah. He gets okay. guys that play. John. He doesn't need to draft Pro Bowl guys. He gets guys that can play well. He got Devin. Actually, he gave Stephon Gilmore, our, the best corner in the league, a blank check and says, "Here you go. Here you go. We need a, we need a lockdown corner. Here you go. Just mm-hmm. write fill out what you want." So, like again, there's a perfect example of a guy who they didn't draft. They went out and they signed. But okay? he, mm-hmm. I would and this and I'm not shitting on Howie with this, but Belichick identified that Gilmore is worth that kind of money. He didn't just do the Byron Maxwell, oh, you're the biggest and best name, when many people in the league, and I remember when it happened, I was even kind of not great stoked about it, said that Maxwell is a system corner and is not worth his money, but he's kind of like the Byron Jones situation. I think Byron Jones is a good cornerback. I don't think he's a top 10 quarterback, cornerback, but yeah, he's going to be paid like he's a bet, like Sometimes the market isn't great. Bill Belichick saw an opportunity to get a lockdown corner and realized that and was like, here's your money. But how he yeah. stepped up this year. He saw so, the yeah. light being sometimes available. Coaching, sometimes coaching is a big impact of that as well. So oh, I, you know, I get a guy like Byron Maxwell who played okay. I mean, he wasn't a superstar in a Legion of Doom, but he played okay. Yeah, like, like that's what I mean. He was a good starting quarterback for that. But they, but they had team. three sorry, go ahead. No, you're right. You, you were going on, but they had Thomas, Sherman, and uh, Cam Chancellor. And they had three defensive coordinators that went on 
to do to either be head coaches or you know I, yeah I think Quinn right Dan Quinn um, Ken Norton Jr. wasn't he one of them too Yeah but he wasn't the first uh, who was the guy Jacksonville uh, coach Jacksonville coach with uh, Bortles um, uh, not, we, not interviewed him. we interviewed him Oh oh Gus Bradley Right so I mean he had he had really good defensive coordinators too and they got the guy now, the Cowboys defensive coordinator came from Seattle too, but that was years ago. But that's the and more reason. It's, it's a secret sauce, man. It's a secret sauce. GMs go out there and grab grab free agents. They go out and they they take 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 lottery tickets in 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 draft picks, and then they look at the free agent market and and undrafted guys and they grab them there and they build a team. That's how they do it. And that's how and that's what GMs do. We don't. I, I, and this goes back to – I'm just going to throw out two guys that, that showed that we are not good at evaluating corners. So we drafted two corners in Eric Rowe and Patrick Chung that we get rid of. We Chip drafted Kelly got rid of Eric Rowe. Huh? Chip Kelly got rid of sure. Eric Rowe. But Rowe we drafted for sure. I don't think we, we drafted Chung. We had Patrick Chung. Yeah, Chip Kelly traded him. Yeah. yeah, Chip Kelly tr- tr- signed them from, from the – Patriots, uh, Bill Belichick. We also had Billy Davis as our no offense. We also had Billy Davis. Away, as our you let me get my Billy Davis joke in. Now it's ruined. <laughs> I had a funny Billy Davis joke, and now but, I can't even say it. John, what yeah. all I'm saying the 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 whole time is, and you're right. We can't give guys you know these giant contracts all the time, but it would be great if we could be one of those teams that drafts those guys. Those $100 million players, we draft them. And then when they get to that $100 million range, we then make that decision of do we keep them, do we trade them, or do we let them walk? Yeah, you, yeah like do we tag them and trade them? But it would, like, be, it, would be great, it would be great if we had that salary cap space to use on other places. That's all I'm saying. And that's all I've been saying is wide receivers and corners are, are – spots on a roster that are more expensive to fill through free agency than they are in the draft. Yeah. You overpay for players. Yeah. Yeah. And if we're going to stay competitive, we have to start hitting home runs on those, on those guys. Yeah. Like we need to have all pros that wouldn't be in new or in uh, new Orleans. If he wasn't like he was drafted by them. Yeah. No, you're right. And that's going to developed him and turned him into a great player. Yeah. Julio Jones was drafted by the 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 Falcons, and he's become one of the best wide receivers of the last decade. I'm almost positive we passed on Michael Thomas to the Saints. I know I know he was a second round pick, and I almost want to say we drafted ahead of the Saints every year for the last like five, ten years. So how I would bet Super money. Bowls, we passed- how many Super Bowls does Saints have since they drafted Michael Thomas? But that's what you always come back to. It, it's that stupid. How many Super Bowls do they have? Like. You we can't, have we have one for sixty years, and now we're not going to defend ourselves. No, but John, you can't blame good players that get drafted by bad teams. That's not the fault of the players on the teams. I'm not saying I'm not saying Michael Thomas is a bad player. I'm saying how many Super Bowls did they win since they drafted Michael Thomas? So by by that, so Dan Marino isn't a good player, right? I didn't say that. But that's your logic. Well, how many Super Bowls did he win? How many Super Bowls did Barry Sanders win? I said it a thousand times for you, and you and you don't get what I'm trying to say is, you can't draft every year. You can't have a Hall of Fame player. You can't have five or six Hall of Fame players in the draft. You're gonna no. hit some. You're gonna miss some. You're gonna yeah. hit some. You're gonna miss some. 
That's how yeah. it is. Yeah, and we have to get better at, at getting those hits. No, and that's why, and and I agree, Jesse, because it's like you take away Fletcher Cox. Do we have any other All Pros that we've drafted in the last no. years? Like, and you know, that's where I would say I agree. It's like, well, it's, here's I have I have Howie's eight first round picks: Fletcher Cox, Carson Wentz, Lane Johnson, Brandon Graham, Derek Barnett, Andre Dillard, Marcus Smith. Danny Watkins. Two are absolute like dreadful picks. Two are two are still question marks and have opportunity to to show us something. And four of them helped us win a Super Bowl. So what are the what's the percentage of that? Fifty percent? Sixty percent? Yeah. How many picks was That's that? It. That's the eight, draft. I showed you eight, eight, showed eight you. first round. He has eight first round picks. Yeah, yeah. Nate, Carson, Fletcher, Brandon Grant—that's four. Fletcher was his first pick. Huh? Fletcher was his first pick as a GM. Okay, but that's four yes. guys that yeah, are yeah, like. Yeah, I'm just saying that was his like yeah that started. I think Howie's reign was Fletcher. I'm okay, pretty- that's four guys, and and the 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 we're still we'll find out about Derek Barnett and Andre Dillard in the future. Dallas Goddard looks like a pretty decent player, you know. But again, we also forget like Carson Wentz. But we, we can we agree that like Fletcher Cox is all pro. Yeah, he, yeah, Fletcher Cox borderline Hall of Fame. Carson no. Wentz. No, Carson we couldn't Wentz. have gotten Michael Thomas. We couldn't enough. No, that was the that was the Wentz draft. They gave up the second to get him. Oh, Carson! I knew I hated you for a reason. Carson Wentz. And and like oh, let's let, Jesse Lawson. But is is he an all is he an all pro? Who, Carson. Who? Carson Wentz. Yeah. He's. Yeah, like he's in that discussion. He's that good. Now, Lane Johnson. Yes. John doesn't think so, but whatever. Lane Johnson. Brandon. Yes. Brandon the, Graham. Yes. And let's be. Don't forget that that Carson Wentz draft or the trade. If if um, what's his nuts? His leg doesn't explode. Bridgewater. If Bridgewater's leg doesn't explode, none of this happens. Why is that? Oh, because they're going to draft him? Because they traded well, no. Bradford. We traded Bradford for we. I don't oh, yeah, know. yeah, yeah, yeah. My bad, my bad, my bad, my I bad. I don't know. Howie Roseman, Howie Roseman should be in jail for whatever he did to get those draft picks because it had to have been against the law. It, it just was, shows how, you know, desperate, you know, desperate, you know, close to the season and, you know, it was one of those. Or he had some filth on somebody. That's what I mean. Like, oh. when, when that well, trade came down. When that trade came down, everybody was like, wait, what? He got what for what? And 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 Matt, on, on top of the, the guys that you have just mentioned, like, let's not forget, like, second and third rounders, like Zach Ertz. Let's that not forget. Let's not forget yeah. Nick Foles. I know everyone wants to knock on him. Let's That's not Andy, forget. Andy, Andy, like Nick, Zach Ertz was 100% Chip Kelly. 100% Chip Kelly was Zach Ertz. That yeah. was first year taken over. That was Chip when Chip banished Howie. Because Zach, because that was, I remember when they interviewed Chip about that. But no, I get your point. No, no, that's not correct, uh, Bill. 2013 was Chip Kelly's first year. Yeah, but you think Chip Kelly wasn't drafting his first year? You have to be insane. Well, it was a collaborative it. effort. After that is when he took over. That's when you had Marcus Smith, Matthews, Huff, all the guys Chip wanted. 
Now it's Minnesota's and then supposedly the story was that I I mean again you read ten thousand stories, but that like they were so all over the board with that Smith pick that like they just like they had to pick somebody and like I guess how we decided Smith, but like there was like no consensus that year and then the war in their war room on who to take at that spot. Oh, and, okay, fine. If you want to go call four, if you want to call fourteen or fifteen, I, I still think they're chip years. But then go to sixteen. Jalen Mills, Vitai, Sayamalu, Carson Wentz. Like again, like I went through those. From Doug on, yes. From Doug Peterson years on, it's hundred percent Howie and Joe Douglas. From yeah, from from after Chip, especially how we got the job back. Yeah, like sixteen. That was that was all Howie, for sure. Sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, and nineteen. I think last year Jordan Douglas got a little more juice in the draft. Um, you know, if you know, how I want to there's do also, that. There's also time where you're going to have a whole, a need. You're going to have a needed wide receiver, right? Maybe mm-hmm. when and the position that you draft in the draft, let's say it's 31, and there's no value at 31 to get the hole, fill that hole. You're going to get somebody else. Exactly. So like, that's the other part of the, how the draft works out. You have exactly. to. That's smart. Yeah, drafting for a need. Makes you stretch for players you shouldn't. You know, I mean, if you can fill a need and there's a position, a player that fits in that range, that's fine. But you shouldn't take a if like if at 21, Howie's not in love with Jefferson or Mims and he just whatever, then take that linebacker queen. Like, take the player you think is best. Like, yeah. don't draft for need. Like, because draft. if you don't, if you do that, you end up with the 2017 draft, which, which was, is Derek Barnett, Sidney yeah. Jones, Russell Douglas. Matt Collins, Donnell Pumphrey, Shelton Gibson, Nathan Gary, and Elijah Qualis. Yeah, so Gary's the only real guy that I like, and Barnett's verdict's out still. No, I, I want to get behind Jones. I'm going to say this about Sidney Jones. I mean, again, again, you have corner depth there. Like, we want to trade Russell Douglas. Sidney Jones, we'll, we'll see about. Derek Barnett, okay, we'll see about again this year. But again, you're talking like two years in, the guy, two guys were hurt, and we're going to sit here and we're like cutting guys already. It's like I, I don't understand the thinking. Like you, you're saying, like if we had ten picks, that if all ten picks need to be home runs. No, this isn't the case. And if you can find me a draft in 2015 when the Baltimore Ravens drafted six guys and all six guys were Pro Bowlers or started all 16 games and did all the stuff, I'm all all ears for it. But the fact of the matter is that doesn't generally happen. It doesn't. That's, yeah, that's John. And that's fine. But again, like last year's draft, if if he if he doesn't get cute on the wide receiver pick, last year's draft's probably a home run. But because he missed so poorly, he didn't have to. He had wide receivers. Mm-hmm. He had wide receivers, so it wasn't like it was a position of need. Not to make an excuse for the pick, but like. He had he had his wide receiving core. He may have taken a flyer on this guy and think, man, if this guy pans out, fucking great, awesome. I don't, you know, but do we here's need a quarterback at, at, on round five with Clayton Thorson? He drafted him too, and he went to Dallas, and then I don't even know where he's now. So like, shit happens. So here's here's the thing with Ortega Whiteside that that makes the least amount of sense to me. You had other wide receivers in that round that were more of a need that we like that fits the body mold that we, that would of a guy we needed a burner. We had Alshon on two years left on the contract. Ortega Whiteside is 
We already huh? had our burner. You already had our burner under Sean Jackson. Yes. On a one, on a two, on a basically like a, a weird deal where you could cut him at any time and not have a big cap hit. The problem is you drafted Ortega Whiteside, who is a high point position, like possession wide receiver. That's all he does. All those other wide receivers can do that, but also have speed and can burn you on a move. So that's where, to, for me, that was the biggest problem with that pick was, you know, they took a wide receiver there, which is fine. I was I was happy that they drafted a wide receiver there. I would have been much happier if they went out and got the athletic freak over the guy that padded his stats playing in a weak conference. You also wanted Josh Jacobs, too. I'd take him. He's good. He had a good who's year. A pretty good, who's a pretty good player at this point. But you got Miles Sanders. So, like, regardless of the Alabama stuff aside, at the end of the day, who was a better player? Gonna, yeah, the verdict's out. I mean, Jacobs they both, ran they both had really good rookie years. years. Okay. You can't do it when you wanted him. It's, it's, you flip a coin, and it's heads or tails. The coin doesn't land in the center. Mm-hmm. So that's what the draft is. Draft me sideways. I mean, again, I'll look at the corners last year in the draft, and there wasn't one taken. Garrett, I'm sorry. I don't think that year was a big year for cornerbacks. I don't think it was like a monster. Andre Baker was taken by the Giants in the 30th pick. He was the first cornerback? Was pick 30? Correct. What? That's crazy. There was a safety, Thornell Savage, I'm, but I'm not. We're not talking safeties here, are we? Uh, no, no, no. We're talking just corners. Okay. Uh, that's crazy. I mean, usually there's at least one within the top 10, 12, always. Last year wasn't a good year for. And, and again, that's that's the other point that I'm trying to make is like some years it's wide receiver heavy, some years it's quarterback heavy, some years it's a defensive end draft. You know, I mean. We're never going to see eye to eye on it, but I, again, I just I I don't understand the, especially from the time when, when we sat down, we watched that draft where you were so adamant against Brandon Graham, and and it ended up turning out to be not a bad pick, but we were it was like such a it was such a 360 in his like what happened with him, like mm-hmm. that I, that I I just. That's a perfect example for me to share, show you that, like, there's a guy you fucking hated. Why do we get him? Why do we get him? And you know what happened? Five, six, seven years later, it panned out and it worked. So, like, that's the same thing I'm saying about guys like J.J. Ortega-Whiteside. Don't fucking just kill him now. Wait four, five, six years down the road. And if the guy's fucking bagging groceries at Wegmans. Nah, you can't then, wait four, five, then, six then years. Then, you have, then I think oh, it's fair. John, you can't wait four, five, six years for a wide receiver. You can yeah, wait two like, or Four or five years for that position. There's no receiver. There's very, very few receivers, in my opinion, that have been duds for the first four or five years and then have like turned it on. Like, yeah, there's Bill. There's none. It's like, not there. There's none. Like rookie, rookie year. I feel like we we put rookies under the gun because you know there's always a handful of like Mike Evans and other guys or any so position what, that. So you, so let me God, Sorry. I was gonna say like I feel like we just want rookies to perform out of the dump street. But, like, there's a rookie curve, like, you know, and, and high draft picks have less of a curve because you're a high draft pick. But 
I mean, Nelson had a pretty horrible rookie year, and he didn't set the world on fire second year, but he had a much better second year with us. Is Jordy Nelson a bad player? Jordy Nelson? No, there's exceptions to the rules. All right, there's one receiver. But what year did he get good? First three seasons, 300 yards, 300 yards, 500 yards. How many catches? 33, 22, 45. So he's like quadrupled anything that JJ's done. Okay. Yeah, yeah but isn't it, the point, isn't it the point to get yards? If you're catching the ball and not getting any yards, what's the, what's the point of getting the catch? Matt, he can't do either one of those things. I'm um, with John in the sense I'm ready to be supportive. I think you're, but at the same time, like JJ, I'm, like I'm, 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 a, I'm, I'm glass half full with this guy, man. Like considering what happened to this lineup that was constructed, and what you know, what you don't see a lot of times what happens to the Eagles in Atlanta last year, like where like. The, the offense just was dropping like flies. And, and the other thing, too, with these players, not to stop you with that, it's like, are they go white side? Okay, they have his tape from college. He crushed it at the senior bowl, they said. Great at the combine, great in the interviews. But until you get these guys on an NFL field and training camp, playing against professionals who are played, it's like, you just don't know. Like you said, John, I agree with that. Like It's like, yeah, he could dominate against the best cornerback coming out of college, but put him against a starting NFL cornerback or, you know, it's like, it's, it's, it's the, the, the jump from every level of sports from middle school to high school is huge. High school to college, even bigger. And then college to the pros is even bigger. So everything you look at with a player in pre-draft is through a guy playing against his peers in college. Getting to the NFL is, is, it's literally, you know, it's just different. So JJ just and the kid's young, it's human, and I think and I mean we're picking on this kid because he just had a bad year, but like I feel like we're just society is like instant now. I do agree with you, John, to give it time to four or five years a little much, but I'm ready to give him a clean slate next year if he can produce. It's just you know, but he also the other thing too is I mean obviously he has to earn them, but he has to get some repetitions. Like he got very few playing snaps. I mean obviously towards the end. But that lineup was just doomed for failure. I mean, towards the end, and and you know, and what Carson did was impressive. You know, with with you know having pretty much tight ends and running backs to catch the ball. But you know, it's, and practice squad guys. Yeah, I mean, but I mean, I'm on the same page as far as he was targeted 22 times, guys. Yeah, exactly. 22 like, times. How many times did he catch the ball? But it's like everything else when in the pros, when you practice good, you get playing time. So clearly he didn't do shit in practice to get on the field. Yeah, that, like, you know what? Out of those 22 times, he caught the ball 10 times, right? Not even nine, I thought it was. No, he's got 10 receptions. 10 yeah. receptions. So so that's, what, 12, 12 plays uh, that were left on the field. I would <laughs> like to think that a third of those or it maybe half of them could they have been broken plays? Yeah, no, they probably are. He had the, the one real bad, you know, tough catch, but he should have caught that ball. Was it the Lions he dropped the, uh, on that Hail Mary? There, I mean, were two, there were two backbreakers that he had. He had the Lions. He made that one good catch against the Giants. That was On a the big comeback catch. play. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, but, yeah, no, I mean, I think 
you know, it's 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 disheartening to see like he came in with a lot of hype, and I think that's what it is too. It's like when you come in with hype and you disappoint, it's like you know, it, it's hard to kind of get back on that hype train. But I think as fans, and we will, you know, we have to kind of get get behind him, and because he ain't going anywhere this year, so it's you know, you hope for the best, but it's. Remember, I can understand. I can understand both sides of this argument. Um, I just like to, me personally, as an Eagles fan, I just like to root for my Eagles and keep a glass half full. Um, and I'm gonna keep a glass half full for this kid and and hope 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 all the best for him and and hopefully we you know this time next year um, we're definitely not in quarantine and we're talking about how he had a major bounce back. Uh, uh, a year for us, and this also uh, has inspired me to um, put out a Twitter poll there uh, on the uh, interwebs. Will Hallie get it right in this year's NFL draft? Wow, that's so. We'll see. We should do another poll. Was Artega have more than ten catches? <laughs> I mean, I mean, he said it best, and he said it the best way. And, and that's when I started liking this. Get a little more interviewing him. I think. Like when they're cleaning out the locker rooms and are like, you know, how do you feel about having a disappointed year? And he's like, well, I can't play any worse. So it's like at least yeah, he acknowledges it, you know, and understands that it just was a bad year. You know, it was, you know. Deshaun Jackson, Alshon Jeffrey. Those are the guys. Those are the guys from the get-go, even before the draft. Those are the guys we were going with. Yep. Here's my problem with that, though. And and I agree, like not problem. Like those are your three starters. Like yes, but then why are you drafting a wide receiver in the second round? Like second round picks are play are, are players you take. Like he wasn't the best variable player on the board at that spot. He just wasn't. I can guarantee you that. Arthega Whiteside should not have been ranked the best player at that at that spot. He wasn't even the best drafted, wide receiver right there. How he drafted him as an Alshon replacement. Like, like you just can't say it. They're the same exact player. Like that was a mistake. Like, if you're riding or dying with, like, you want to extend Alshon, fine. You give Deshaun two years, fine. Nelson, we'll see. But don't draft a player there at that spot then. He's not the best player at the position or in the draft at that point. Like, that's where my problem with that pick is, John. Not that, like, I don't like the kid. It just, I don't think that was the right pick to make. It just uh, wasn't. That's fine, and that's a that's an um, admirable thought. But give me a guy that you would have wanted in that position. Well, and you're right. I mean, I you know, I'll, I'll look in a like, second. If, if Jesse's going to argue DK Metcalf, I'm fine with that. We've argued about it. I get it. DK Metcalf right now looks like a better person, better player on tape by stats. I get it. But I mean, are we going to sit here and you're going to kill Dallas, the Colts, the Chargers, the Rams, Arizona, and Kansas City, who have are have won a Super Bowl this year for not drafting DK Metcalf? Like. No. No, you can't. I mean, you can't. I mean, that, if anybody, Nicole Hartman was, was the – maybe we were looking at Nicole Hartman, but Kansas City grabbed them. No, I mean, there. I mean, there's I a few – it's, it's everything well, else. He was, he was the guy I really wanted, Nicole. It was Nicole and DK, and it looked like Nicole was going to fall to us, and then Casey took him. I've never seen that a player go going in top ten mock drafts. And then go second round like DK did without an injury. He was uh, top 10, 15, all mock drafts. And then, like, the last week of the, before the draft, he, like, started falling to, like, mid, late first. And he, he was sitting there. It's like, he didn't get hurt. 
He's not a big character guy. He's a gym rat. So he does play football and work out. And somehow he just kept slipping. And his, I, I, I remember on the death night, Mel Kuyper saying his, 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 uh, you know, issue is he's a one trick pony. Well, he's pretty good at that one trick. <laughs> I'm not. Oh, he needs one. No, I'm just saying I'm, in general, like the whole league, the whole league passed on him. I'm just saying, John. Like he was, he was a top ten like mock draft verb, and then everyone just passed on him. And the whole league did. I'm not saying it was just us. It was like, what the hell happened with that kid? I mean, I would be more upset that we didn't get a guy like Terry McLaurin who's got 20 more yards in DK Metcalf, and we'll see him twice a year. No, and Darius Slayton had a great year for the Giants. Look at him. Yeah. Well, that, that, was, that was my point. Like, they must beat us. Other teams. No, I mean, Eli must beat us. I mean, literally, they had two bombs on us. We couldn't cover. Mills could not cover Slayton that entire game. It was like, are you kidding me? We're going to lose out of the playoffs like this? And then Carson just pulled a rabbit out of his ass. You know, him and Zach stepped up, and Carson just, you know, that's kind of what, like, that's probably what was, was like that first game, second game, when he really just fucking was dropping dimes. And, you well, know. And the end of the season quotes, like, how he's already dra- distancing himself from that pick. Yeah, and they, then he put it on Douglas pretty much or something. I, saying, I think that how he wanted DK and. Joe Douglas wanted Arthega and and this is where we are now. Like I and and like don't get me wrong, I it's not like I want this kid to fail or I hate this kid. I hope I hope I he makes me feeling. look bad. I, I hope he has a monster second year. If he has a monster second year, we are one of the top offenses in football. Like I want him to do well. You're gonna buy a throwback jersey if he has that should be that should be a pet. What? <laughs> Thousand yards or, or ten touchdowns this year, you're gonna buy a, a, a Sega jersey. Oh, absolutely! If he has a thousand yards or ten touchdowns, that, absolutely. We all, all, all get throwbacks. I, I mean, Matt, Matt will wear a current player's jersey in any sport. I, I think you'll come with a Slayer jersey. I have the Slayer jersey. I think well, you'll yeah, come. Well, I mean, there are exceptions. It's gonna take a few years. There really are, but no, I. I just, I just need this draft to happen April 23rd. Like, I need something to look forward to sports-wise. Like, I yeah, can't. Yeah, dude, it's. Draft gets suspended. Well, postponed. I just it, can't. I'm, like, starting to bug, like, going all weekends. Like, not being able to watch. Like, I, I would have fucking watched Girls Lacrosse if I could have this weekend. Like, no, no offense, Girls Lacrosse. You know, I'm, it's, it's lacrosse. Dude, is a just f- fucking download Game Pass. You can watch all the NFL games. You can do the NBA. I know who wins, though. I know who wins. I need to see the competitiveness of it. I just yeah, like, dude, it's like There's, like, great stories of the fo- of football life. Dude, there's a ton of fucking sports shit. I can't, I, I can't get my brain wrapped around watching the, the uh, all or nothing thing because I don't want to dislike Carson. I'm trying, to like, I'm, trying, I'm trying to like him more, and I don't want to watch uh, don't it. Don't worry. Just don't follow him on fucking Instagram. Hashtag snuggles. <laughs> Aaron Rodgers, really, I bet you really snuggles in with his dog. I bet. Fucking guy. Yo, Aaron, I need that number to Olivia, uh, Olivia Munyo. We'll hook it up, A-Rod. Take her what off. did we say earlier about athletes talking about stuff, but just don't, like, broadcast it? That's one of, the, that's one of those things. Like, you know what? Just keep that between, you know, the Carson residence, the Wentz residence. I bet his – maybe his wife – maybe his wife does his, his Instagram or something. I don't know. He's a happy son of yeah. a bitch. He's a quarterback for a, a great franchise. He has $100 million to his name. I'd be happy as shit taking pictures 
Uh, you know, oh, this beautiful tree today. Life is great. I got 100 mil, kid. Life is nothing but snuggles. It is, dude. Like, good for you. You know, it's just, you know, it just throw the ball away on, you know, first and 10 on bad broken plays, please, every now and again. And I love you even more, Carson. Please do. You know, but no, I, I think, you know, I, I saw today, not that like to flop over to it, but that um, the NBA said it won't start the season up again unless they feel they can have the finals start by September 1st. Wow. Like, that's the latest they feel they can start the finals because of TV conflictment, like, issues. That's, like, a little more than a month away from when the the next season would, like... Yeah, training camp, training camp, and that's what I'm saying, like... They yeah, would, that's training camp territory. They would push back the season, like, a few weeks, a month. Uh, but they said they could catch it up, like, next year. They play catch up a little bit, too. But basically, they said once thing calm down after april or whenever hopefully after april maybe may we see some positive turnaround in this thing but i did see that they said that they feel to restart games they'd have to be able to have the finals by september 1st otherwise they'd have to you know see what they would do about this season and just possibly you know like like not champion just void the season yeah, LeBron, I, I, like, I, I don't feel bad for LeBron, not, I, but I kind of do because it's like I feel like the Lakers. Now, barring it's a big gift because Anthony Davis hasn't stayed healthy very often and he hasn't done much in the playoffs in his career. But if LeBron would have won this year with the Lakers, man, three teams, three rings, phew, that's pretty impressive. Like, that's – I mean, I know, you know, they, you know, they, you know, nowadays you can buy a team, you know, you can sign players, and back in the day you just couldn't but you know, and uh, yeah, no, guys, I think it's um, it's, it's oh my God, I can't believe what you're talking about. No, no, no basketball rest of the year because there there was what like 30 games left in the season, give or take. When they're not going to cancel the season, guys. They're not going. They're just going to push it, just like the the Olympics. They spent all that money building all that shit over there. They're not yeah. going to cancel the Olympics. They're just going to no, push they it. Push it until next to 2021, so that's like okay. canceling the Olympics. That's like canceling Why? it. Why is it like canceling the Olympics? But it's John, not this year. It's the, happening next year. It's a 20, the difference so is... 2020 gear for Tokyo. Good luck. It's 2021 gear now. But the, so. the difference, John, is the Olympics happen every four years. So if you have to move it a year, it's not the end of the world. Like, at Maybe some point, to, yeah. at some point, next year's season has to start. Yeah, so it's like, so you either have to just go right to the playoffs and say, sorry, teams that were two games out of the eighth spot, your season's over. Yeah. Like, kind of shit like that. Like, you know, how, I mean, I can't think an owner's just going to lay down for all those, like the West. There's, I hear shit, I'll look right now. I'm just curious. There's nothing else going on in the summer months other than baseball games. So there shouldn't be a lack of play, places to play, which would be the biggest thing. I think there's 200 some games that need to be played. Is that uh, something like that? So, like, they just get them in. Like, I don't understand, like, why that's a why that's a. Well, you would, These arenas are booked out for different concerts and different things. Like, teams that don't is – like, they're not just made for basketball. So, it's yeah, like – you could play – and you could move a team and play them in, I don't know, you know, Penn's court or something. A basketball court's a basketball court. It yeah. is. But they do this to make money, not just to play basketball. Like – yeah, they yeah, want to produce a good so quality product. Else, you know, Bill, it's the gate. The NBA does not live or die by the gate. 
like these arenas hold what 25,000 people 30,000 people oh, 15 to 20 tops no it's more so whether they can broadcast the games on television yeah than like the college the jerseys they sell yeah going back to the tv contracts as long as they can broadcast it on television yeah. they get the advertisers their 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 time mm-hmm. and then they make they make but, that real money but but you, but you realize you have to realize the NBA playoffs take approximately two and a half to three months from start to finish. You just well, you just abridge it. You abridge it. So I so series, anything, you do, not, anything you do is it you know it's it, it's not going to be like a regular season. So it's whatever if, if they do it that way, there's going to be an asterisk from people and the people that win it aren't going to sit care about the shortened season or this. But you know. I look at it as a good thing. I think it'll heighten competition. I mean, shit, dude, dude, go March Madness style. Winner go home, baby. I just think these guys got, man. Because you know, because you know, in a seven game series, some of these guys mail it in. You know what dude, I mean? Three game series, dude. No. All right, well, I don't know how you can finish 30 games, at least practically 30 games a team, plus three months of playoffs when it's already April. And they said they can't start the finals past September 1st. Like, that's the date. Like, they have to start the finals September 1st. You'd have to so play a ton of games at college arenas. Yeah. Well, play, say, like, to play 30 NBA games usually takes about two, two and a half months. And then the playoffs for two and a half, three months. So that's six months of basketball, potentially. And it's already April in a week. So yeah, I, but, I don't you know, know how you get that done. They I mean, because you cut games. You have to cut games. But then it's like. Or they play more than once a week. Well, well, they, they, already are, do. They, they already do play. They play, they, they, they play no more than five times every two weeks. It's usually two games in one week, three the next. That's usually how it goes. About five. I mean, games. What they might have to do is when they travel, they might have to cut out that rest day. It is yeah. no. I mean, you know, I guess you know they're you know, and I'm sure that right now they're feverishly working out scenarios for when this or, thing passes to do it. Or why not bring? Why not make a few parts of the country hubs? Bring a couple teams to that hub. Let's just say New York. Mm-hmm. So you can bang out. You can bang out Boston, New York, both New York teams, uh, Philly, Washington, and you can play at the Garden, and it'll be like March Madness style. But you'll all be you'll all play at the Garden. No, so there in the city, but you can. They just rotate the games. You know what no. I mean? If you, what if you take certain teams? What if you move certain games on the schedule to? cities that don't have an nba team or like yeah. seattle, say seattle who used to have the supersonics i'm sure they still have college basketball arenas up there that yeah. teams will be able to play in what about north carolina you could you've got the triad yeah you could put teams at duke you could put teams at north carolina like i think it's i think the logistics are a little tougher than that just overall i think because at the end of the day i mean you're seeing it now They've stopped games for what two weeks tops, tops two weeks maybe ish, and they're already threatening it's to cut people. Three because they keep they really all, right, so, so, all right. So three weeks and no basketball, and they want to cut people's salaries because they don't feel they're making money. They're not just going to start like adding in more costs for airfare, for you know like are like maybe they will if, if they decide that it's worth it. But I feel like. They're going to have to have them, the more powerful owners are going to have to, I guess, get some of the other owners on board because I feel like it's just going to be unfair to a lot of teams if they try to get it in. I mean, I hope they do. Don't get me wrong. I want to see basketball. I will, you know, yeah, you I, know what, though, guys? 
that sometimes life's just not fucking fair, is it? It's not. So sometimes you gotta you gotta you gotta play with the the, the hand that God gives you. Because and, because, and yeah. you gotta play you gotta play on the court that you're given. Sometimes you gotta play against the team that is dealt. You know what I mean? I and, mean, and you know what? Yeah, sorry, bro. I was gonna say the other thing too, real quick, is the players' union. Because if they start cutting games, they're not getting paid their full salaries. I guarantee you that. And the union's going to flip the fuck out about that. And the owners are going to say, well, I'm not paying you $38 million based on 82 games if we're only going to play 60 games. So then, then there's that headache you got to deal with, paying the players. You know what I mean? So I think there's just so many fucking variables that, like, I I, I don't see, um, you know, unless everyone's feeling like has like have, like, goodwill in their heart and want to get the – get the game back on well, and that's just it it's i think what it boils down to is <clears throat> we're all we're, we're talking about first world problem after first world problem after first world problem so what first world problems out of all the ones that these millionaires and billionaires have to worry about are the most important problems and then they're just gonna have to certain things are just gonna have to be the what they are in order to get no people everything moving forward again Again, sacrifices. Well, then the only thing I don't want to hear about from any of these NBA players when they get back is, oh, I've missed, I've missed basketball so much, but I'm not going to play until September. You know what I mean? Like at some point, like let's just play. Well, John, I'll give you another thing too. I read some teams are saying they want to have a minimum two week mini camp before the season restarted again because they already said the entire league's out of shape from not training, from being in the NBA. Like, they, they don't care you have a home gym. They're already saying that now, too. Like, they need to have a, a, a mini camp again to get guys in shape for the games. So add that into the mix, too, to where even though guys are working out at home. Well, then they're, they're never not, getting the season in. Yeah, if any of that shit happens, I would just it. write it off and just not watch it because that's it's, it's, it's so fucking stupid. All I, the guys have gyms in like fucking high-rises. I saw a poll somewhere that more players think that it's not going to be a season than, than, than players that do, like, Players like, are just, fuck them. Fuck them. no, and and that's something too, like because like if they, I don't say strike, but if they, but if they come across like being selfish with this shit, I mean when baseball striked, it took them. Baseball was literally fucked until the Maguire, and that's why people forget like the timeline for shit. I, I, I'm I'm off with the year. I I don't know the year, but the Expos Expos were the best team in baseball. They were Montreal. The strike happened that season in the second half. The end of the season, no playoffs, no World Series, whatever. The next, like, six, seven years, attendance was down, like, crazily. And this is before big TV money. And baseball, I mean, didn't, you know, push the steroid. Baseball didn't come back until the steroid era. And that made people turn and tune in for, for baseball again. Like, if the NBA gets greedy here and comes across, like, we can't play, the players are like, I can't play because of this and this, this and this, like, it's gonna be. I think it could be bad for the league. Like, and I, I and I think they'd probably get that too. To be like, what do we do? Like, there's, yeah. you know, shut down. And if it turns the fan, if it turns the fans off, and you got guys like John over here who loves basketball, saying, "Well, fuck them. I'm just no, gonna watch. I'm just gonna watch NFL Game Pass, and they can eat all each a big bag of shit, you know. And you get several million fans that that do the same thing." You know those 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 TV ratings are going to drop, right? And then when the ratings drop, what, what's going to happen to the advertisers? They're all going to go away. Every one of us still have to work going through this. You know what I mean? No. And that's you know, what it is. 
God forbid. Some of us, depending on what they do, would love to work but can't. And these guys make millions and millions of dollars. Pretty much most of them don't even have to work ever again in their lives. No. And it's going to be any sort of like him and Hong or like, man, I could really pull a hamstring or this, that, the other thing. And you know what? It's it's no different in the off season. Like, keep yourself in shape. Get yep. on the treadmill. Lift weights. Yep. Those are the things you have to do. Yeah. You know, like. That's what we're in right now, though. So, basically, they're saying, okay, say April's a horrible month, like, projected to be. And maybe May things start heading in the right direction. And by, like, June, say, best case scenario, say June, like, things, life can start kind of, re- everything reopens kind of piece by piece. They're saying they need at least two to three week mini camps to get the season to get the teams ready. So that's middle of June, end of June. You, the playoffs take minimum ten weeks, minimum ten weeks, if not twelve. If there's seven big seven game series and a lot, a lot of rounds. So I it, like they'd have to like literally get teams on board to be like, listen, we're gonna play 10, 15 games. If that, then the season ends, and then we'll go into the playoffs, and then you know that could fit the schedule close to it but no i mean i think it's if that's the case we're really gonna see if this is truly a player's league or not no you're right and that's the other thing too because the players might be because but to do that they might be like hey we're gonna prorate your salary down from 38 to 32 and they and then they start hemming and hollering and you if you hear james harden bitch about i'm not paying for this and they come you know like like that's i think could be a reality too it's like all right you're gonna cry about making 32 million this year i ain't gonna fucking watch you I'm not I, putting the game on. Because you know his shoe deal still still uh, going to make going to cut him a check. I read an article today that um, the Sixers coaching staff was very hesitant on giving money back um, for the pay cut when it got, got announced because they know they're pretty much fired. Like basically, the article was saying, and they were like. And they're saying many of them feel they're going to be out of work, including the head coach, possibly. Brett's made like $30, $40 million. I don't want to hear he's worried about giving back a million dollars this year. You know Look, what I mean? There is no there is no possibly either. I think Brett is – Well, the only way he wouldn't be is, 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 is if he went on a playoff run. If somehow something happened, if he went on a playoff run, he's not out. But if we lose in the, if we lose in the first or second round at their conference finals, I think he could be back. If he made it there somehow, but if we're not by the, to the conference finals, he's a hundred percent fired. And whether he should be or not, that's a whole other episode. I, I, I could, if we don't make it to the conference finals, he's fired. Yeah, no, that's I would agree. I I, I would put that in writing for sure. You think Joel Embiid's in shape? No, absolutely not. <laughs> Eating takeout and playing video games and playing poker, thousand percent. Yeah. Thousand percent. No, he's braiding his hair. He's braiding his hair into a helicopter again. And, I, and I, I really hope that. I mentioned episode, last episode that they're talking about thinking about putting Ben under under their knife because the season's not going to happen if they if they think that's not going to happen and shutting them down and just because that pinch of nerve could could get worse if, you know and surgery could be the best cure for it so it's like you know it's no it's this is craziness and. You know, I and and I was excited for the Phillies a little bit, I, and I haven't been excited in a while. Like it sucks. Like, because oh, wouldn't opening day have already happened by now, Jesse? Uh, I think opening day would be this week. You know the you know well, the athletes I really do feel bad for though, and we were talk we talked about the Olympics uh, briefly. 
I, I feel bad for like those Olympic athletes that like this is like their last Olympics and they train their balls off to get to, to the point where, you know, to get in shape and ready to go for the time that the Olympics is, is, are supposed to start. And then if they have to delay it, I mean, the potential of, I mean, here we go with hypotheticals again, but say they have to keep up with their training and they get hurt or, you know. Well, or, they haven't even done qualifying yet. Yeah, no, yeah. that's the thing, dude. They're so far off, they can't have a, an Olympics. No. Yeah, like the, the only teams, I think really the only team for the Summer Olympics that has like a team team are like the, the marathon guys. Every, everybody else has to qualify out of their country to make the team. Right. But that's and, what I'm saying. Like, and, and think about like, you know, the like pole vaulters and yep. like, you know, like think about like, if you, if you, if you're a guy who, you know, that this is like your last chance, uh, this is your last Olympics, you know it for a fact, because, you know, four years from now, your body's just going to be broken down. You're not going to be able to be in that top peak physical condition to compete at an Olympic level. And this could jeopardize or throw off your training in a way that, you know, could ultimately, you know, compromise your edge of being a gold contender. And then you have to settle for like a, a bronze or silver or not even metal. You know, it's just, it's, uh, it's unfortunate, you know? I think we'll be out of this shortly. I don't think it's going to be as long as everyone thinks it is. I hope. I mean, I hope, man. I mean, but. I mean, even when we were talking about it in the beginning, looking at the stats between, like, the flu and everything. The like, numbers I get, rise as we speak. Yeah. The numbers rise as we speak. That, that H1N1 thing, like, that happened, like, you know, 809, that hit, like, 60 fucking million people, and, like, a quarter million people died, and, like, I mean, I, I get it. That probably was transmitted differently, maybe. So maybe it was just what I don't know. Like, I don't know the details. That was 60 fucking million people worldwide. And I mean, it's going to be like it was well, the like death toll and the, the death toll before we before we started at the beginning of, of, of this episode. The death toll was just under 700 in the United States. Now we're pushing 800. Yeah. But again, yeah. not to not to compare apples, apples and make anything worse or better, but like. I'm looking at the numbers for the estimates for 18 and 19 for flu, and yeah. the death toll was between 26,000 and 52,000 in the U.S. alone. That's what I'm gonna say, like, I guess I think the reason this is like a bigger, like a big deal because there's vaccines for the flu. Yeah, exactly. There's no there's cure. The, and there's the Tamiflu. For this, if there's a vaccine for this, yes, there have been some precautions. It would have been go get a vaccine, and we'll we'll get through this. But well, that's, that's what I'm saying thing. today about having that new um, malaria drug tested with a bunch of people in New York now use that as like the, the beginning of the trials because there are so many people that have it. They're hoping that they can get pretty good like numbers and statistics out of it. Yeah. I'm assuming they're going to people who aren't doing well on this and going to them with many kinds of drugs to try. Yeah. Like, and if you're on your, you know, if God forbid you're on your deathbed and somebody's like, Hey, this could work. Can we try it on you? It's like, yeah, go right ahead. See what Here, happens. Here's <laughs> the problem. If you end up, in the ICU with the flu and like if two people end up in the ICU with flu and the coronavirus, the difference is like the flu is going to beat you up and you're going to have pneumonia. But you if you get better, you're you get better. 
if you get coronavirus and you end up in the ICU, the shit basically dissolves your lungs. So some of these pe- some of yeah. these people, like they were showing x-rays of people that were like trying to recover and it looked like there were like Coke can size holes in their lungs Jeez. where where it's just gone. And yeah. and like that's the problem. Like some of these people might survive, but you're never gonna be the same again. Yeah, for the extreme cases, and that's why this is, you know, and, that's why we, the precaution steps have been taken worldwide because it's, we don't know how, like, and that's, I think, is obviously the biggest thing. The unknown is the scariest part of, even, even more than the known part. Known part's plenty scary, but not knowing a lot of things about this is, you know, makes it put you in the pump the brakes and the whole quarantine thing, which we should be doing, but it's just, again, <laughs> yes, I, I hope you're right, John. I hope. You know, within a few weeks, you know, everybody starts kind of, you know, never did they you know, dissipate. The the only and the other thing that like I was telling talking to Becca about it, and maybe I'm wrong, but like I feel like if it was super bad, like why would the fucking president be like having meetings with media and stuff? Like, like wouldn't he just be in the Oval Office, like in his own quarantine himself? Like, well, part of it is I think to show like to give the country leadership to be like. This is a pandemic. You need a daily briefing on it. Like, I think it hits hit, hit, hit that realm to where the guy probably works 16, 18 hours a day as it is. Like, I, I from what I read, most presidents do uh, work a lot. But it's like, I feel like being the commander in chief or whatever, the president of the nation, like, with so many people in, in, involved with this, it's like, you got to go out there pretty much once a day almost. And if not in a day, like, somebody, like, it, it, it's more, I think, of just, Showing, you know, leadership and, you know, you know, kind, kind, you know, kind of that, you know, that light, uh, you know, in the uh, on the harbor to kind of steady the ship in like, hey, this is what we're at now. You know, I know people question what he says is true or not. I, I don't listen to all the press conferences. Maybe some things are not always. I, I don't know. But I, I think the intent's always to try to be positive and keep people keep, keep people out of that. Like the guy was in I think it was shop right a couple of days ago, like in Marlton and the old people were like straight bugging. Yeah, like mask on and gloves, which is fine. Like, like I don't care about that. They were like grabbing meat, like bumping into people, like, like Jesus, <laughs> you know. It's, so I think that that's shit delivered, man. No, it's true. Boy, you know, and... I think if you're wrong, because this this thing is straight wiping old people out. Like, it's like they don't even stand a chance. It seems. It's... The thing that only the thing that bugs me out when I think about it more and more is like. We're so close to New York with this, and New York is, like, bad. Don't even get me started on New Yorkers. Well, that's why when you look at the cases in New Jersey, they're predominantly all northern New Jersey for the most part because they're all all commuting over into New York through the subways, the the ferries, the bridges, everything. So, And I think they showed the picture of, was it New York, I think, of, like, the one day, like like last earlier in the week, this day, like last year, there were like five and a half million people that rode the subway in, in the day. And this year it was only like a million two. But still a million two people rode it. And they showed pictures of everybody crammed in it still. It's just like. Oh, yeah. It's great like, get on a fucking subway after this. Like That's what I mean. It's just like, what are you guys doing? Like, why the subway? I mean, I know like they're an important part of traveling in the city, but why are subways open? Like. That's like, 
the worst case scenario, you're in a locked car, airtight, sealed with germs all around you and people. Like that's like the worst case scenario. Like I was talking to a, a couple weeks ago. I was talking to a, a colleague of mine, and this was like right before, like right when the news started to get really serious about this, and they started reporting, you know, the the first signs of us like potentially you know, going on a quarantine and shutting the doors and businesses closing and everything was right on the cusp of that. And he said he was, he does a lot of work up in New York, New York City. He has a small office there and he commutes frequently. And he said, yeah, I ironically, scary ironically enough, uh, read about all of this news breaking and the one of the, you know, learning that one of the biggest hotspots would be in tightly confined spaces like a subway or a train station all as he was commuting back on the train from New York down to the Wilmington area. And he was like, you want to talk about like not being like not wanting to move. It's like the news just paralyzed them. So and from that point on, he, you know, of course, he stopped commuting up to New York from that point on. But and then, you know, seriously, within like the next like three days, we were we were told we were we weren't going into work for at least two weeks. So it's just crazy. Like. But, hey, you know, let's just, you know, like the Eagles, like our like Sega Whiteside and. Our beloved and Howie Roseman's draft picks. Let's just try to keep the glass half full on all this stuff, and um, you know, see what happens. And hopefully, we come out. You know, I think we're going to come out stronger as a nation, and um, hopefully, you know, with the exception of uh, a few, uh, several thousand uh, millennial partiers down in spring break, there, um, we'll actually. Uh, learn a lot from this experience so yeah this doesn't if this doesn't have like 9 and 11 effects from like a country perspective oh it's it's gonna have bigger than 9 11 i think like we gotta we gotta take a look in the mirror the the, the only difference between this and 9 11 is that 9 11 you actually like they broadcasted like 30 some thousand people dying at yeah. once like this is like you know people are dying, but you can't see it, you can't feel it. But nine eleven, if you were in front of a television when those towers fell, you knew you just witnessed like several thousand people dying at once, and they were all Americans. Yep. And it was intentional. You know what I mean? Like now I know there's a lot of conspiracy theorists out there that say like this Corona shit could could have been an intention an intentional bio, potentially biological weapon that like, got loose and yada, yada, yada. But like, God, ho I hope that that's not the case and that's not discovered, you know, in the, in the, in the days, weeks, months, years ahead of us. But 9-11 was very much intentional. I mean, that was, that was a brutal act of just terrorism. This um, is, you know, again, like, unthinkable and is it easy to rationalize no it's hard to wrap your head around um but you know i like to think that we're gonna come come out of this uh stronger and uh more unified 
So and stay the fuck home. <laughs> I wish I, I I I hear that I hear that my friend. I hear that. I don't I, get it. If we, we just all stay on. home, like I wish they would just shut everything down. Like I really do. It's like, like if they would shut everything down from like let's just say like last two weeks ago, two Fridays ago, just shut it, just woo, turn the lights off. Shut it all down. Yep, I agree. I would love that. If if they did that and just had the National Guard just dropping care packages on people's steps. And truthfully, I feel like that still could happen if April's the way they're saying it's going to be. Because like I said, with, you know, I won't get detailed. Like I work for a big company and they're taking like you don't go from just fully operational to close down like this. Like, you know, like, you know, because I mean, like you guys work from home, but like our, our business would just shut down if we can't load material. But we're heading in that direction to where I feel like they're now letting people work from home. Like they're, they're giving people like road, like offices, like not like people are like, it's very limited. And I think salesmen, they're kind of like, use your discretion, be safe. You know, so it's like, I feel like that's step one before it's like, all right, now nah, we're shutting down. Like I, feel well, like- I also think if they keep seeing people um, disrespecting the social distancing warnings, um, and start and keep seeing people, you know, just lollygagging in mass crowds. No, that, like, might, that might not be enough for the governors to come to come on and just say, you know what, you know, it only takes a few hundred rotten apples to to ruin the bushel. It's so, going to have to be because Trump came out today and said he wants the churches packed for Easter. Nah, that was taken out of context, though, Jesse. That was taken out of context. Um. Yeah, and no, I mean, he pushes, he said things, but I mean, I, I think, you know, um, I, 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 you know, I don't think, you know, I don't think he would, you know, again, I, I, I don't think just because he says that people are going to do it either. I mean, I think, you know, there's, you know, each, each community has their own sense of governorship, but I think it's, I think there's, like you said, a chance before it still get worse. I think this is still the baby stages. Yeah, it's, I mean, the cases are doubling every day. But here's the thing, though. I think I, saw, I thought I heard today that in Wuhan, where it all started, supposedly they reopened up public transportation. Like they're slowly opening. Like the like things are getting better in China. Yeah, but but so, Bill, what they three, four months. what they did was they basically like what we said we wished they would do. They literally did. They were basically like getting people into their houses and then like boarding them up with them inside their houses. No, you're right. And, and and I think that's obviously the best way to do it. Just literally, I guess you got to have the fight, like police and fire, whatever, still kind of do their thing because they're public, you know, public servants. But other than that, like, no, I think, you know, you know, I mean, they made it clear that's the best way to stop it is just not be near it. But it's tough to make, you know, how many people we got in this country? 300 million. <laughs> that's a lot of people. A lot of, you know to to be bossy with but no I, I i hope you're right i hope that it's shorter lived than you know than some projections but if everybody is socially constant conscious and does their part we should be yeah that's not happening <laughs> it's happening. i think it's happening on a bigger scale than i thought but it's still not it's still not as good as it needs to be is how i would put it i see it like i see people like like I said, I saw yesterday people them taking down um, the basketball rims at the Cherry Hill courts across from Virtua. And there's more and more townships 
cops were parked in parks because like all state parks, like any park is closed. So I know over the weekend when I, I, I think I went out once on Saturday and I saw like kids like playing in the parks and tennis courts together. And it's just like, all right, well, this isn't a great idea, probably, especially with the kids who have issues with the with, with the virus and are little germ phobe, you know, germ machines. It's like, so I think the state is picking it up a gear with that kind of stuff and one by one. But it's just like, stop pussyfooting around and shut it all down, like you said. Shut off the grid. Get the essentials open that we need to survive, and then that's it. Then for your entertainment, look no further than mm, SoundCloud or iTunes or many <laughs> other ways. Spotify. We are also Keep on the going, Spotify. Bill. Keep going. Keep going, Bill. Spotify. And we're pro- uh, are we on Napster? <laughs> yeah, sure. Yes, sure. we are. Sure. Yeah. Okay. We're on LimeWire, Napster. We're on MySpace. We have MySpace page. page. Yeah, we're on. Uh, yeah, we're on all the all the social media interwebs of of modern day, like Napster and MySpace. Any way we can touch you, we want to. We want to touch you all. <sighs> Just take a bigger eloquently, eloquently said. So, <laughs> so before this before this podcast is uneditable. Um, <laughs> I hope everyone stays safe and healthy and just be good, folks. Be good. Jesse? Go, birds! Be safe, everybody.